Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Justina Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. excited that I get to give the word today. I'm Justina Brownlee, Kyle's wife, and what a privilege it is every time I get to get up here and and bring the word. And so I'm excited for the word God's going to give us today. In fact, we're kicking off a brand new series today, and I'll tell you about that just a minute. But before I do, I want to look on the other side of that screen and say a big hello to those of you that are joining us online today, or those of you that are in one of our um, jail campuses around the nation. We're so glad that you're with us and Belize Central Prison. Come on, church. Can you welcome our church family? We love y'all. We believe in you. We're cheering for you. So exciting. Well, today I get to kick off the brand new series we're doing, and we've done this series before. Every few years we try to do this one. It's called Running with the Giants. And in Running with the Giants, what we do is we go in the Bible and we find some of the giants of the Bible that had a kingdom impact that we can learn from. And that's what we're going to do today. In fact, today I get to share the life of Joseph with you. So we're going to learn from the life of Joseph today. Now let me catch you up and give you some context to who Joseph was. You'll find his story in Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50. And we're going to try to cover a lot of ground in the scripture today, but I'm going to give you homework. We can't cover all of this. So I want to encourage you tonight before you go to bed. This is your homework. Okay, church. You have to read Genesis 37 through 50. You go read the story for yourself. You go find out all the details you're going to miss today. It's good to read your word. Come on, say amen to that. It's good to read your word. Feed ourselves a little bit. And so Genesis chapter 37 through 50, we're going to find the story of Joseph. And to give you context, Joseph's dad was a man named Jacob. And then his grandpa was a man named Isaac. And his great grandpa was a a man by the name of Abraham. You'll probably recognize those names. His mom's name was Rachel. And then he had a stepmom. And he had, he was the youngest of 11 brothers at this time in Genesis 37. And then he had a couple daddies, babies, mamas. I don't know. Go read it. You'll figure it out yourself. Okay. Well, here's what I'm saying. Joseph had a messed up family. Anybody else able to relate? Don't point, just, you know, relate a little bit. Like I got some stuff in my family. Right. And so that was Joseph. Joseph didn't come from the perfect family that had it all together, but God was able to use Joseph in an incredible way. And so here's Joseph. He's the youngest of 11 brothers. and, And when we meet him, basically what else we can find out through the scripture about him is maybe you've heard the story. The most recognizable thing about Joseph is the coat that his dad gave him, the colorful coat that he wore around proudly, this coat. And all that coat meant was that he was daddy's favorite. So out of the brothers, everybody knew Joseph's the favorite in the family. And then the Bible also tells us a little bit about Joseph, that he was a snitch. The boy was a snitch. Like every time he went to his dad, he was telling on his brothers of what they were doing wrong. And you're going to read that in the scripture. And then what happens is God gives Joseph a couple dreams. And so now Joseph has these dreams. And let's pick up the story. I want you to see it in Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 11. It says this, Joseph had a dream. 
And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. It was so good. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood up upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said about it. And then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told this to his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And so here's Joseph. And I want you to write this down somewhere in your notes, write it in your phone, do what you have to do to remember this, because there's an overarching theme we're going to learn from Joseph today. And here's the theme that we're going to see from the life of Joseph. And that is when God gives you a dream, he will also give you a test. When God gives you a dream, and I believe that he has, and I believe that he will, God's going to give you a picture of your future and it's good. The Bible says that, that God has good plans for your life. And he's going to give you pictures of those dreams, pictures of that future. But just know this, when God gives you a dream, he's also going to give you a test. And that's exactly what we watch happen in the life of Joseph. Because the truth is, when God gives us a dream, we'd like him to give us the dream on Sunday and see it come to pass on Monday. Anybody else? Like, that's how I think dreams should work. Show me on Sunday, let's do it on Monday. But here's what I need you to know. That's not how it works. You can read it all throughout scripture. God's going to give you a dream and there's going to be a time that he fulfills it. But in between, there's going to be some space. There's going to be a process. There's going to be some time and there's going to be some margin. And what God's going to do in that space is test you and me. And you know what he's testing for? He's testing our character. He wants to know, do you have what it takes to carry this dream? Do you have the character it's going to take to sustain this dream? Do you have the character it's going to take to see this through? And that's what he was doing with Joseph. Let me prove it to you. In Psalms chapter 105, verses 17 through 19, we learn this about Joseph. It said, then he, being God, sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. You see, because when God gives you a dream, he's also going to give you a test. Here's the thing. Here's what I realized as I was praying through this. You see, when, when God gives us the dream, the dream is meant to show us what's in God's heart towards us. When he gives you the test, it's meant to show you what's in your heart towards God. The dream's going to show me a picture of what God's heart is for my future and my life. But the test is going to show me what's in my heart towards God. Do we have the character to sustain the dream that God has for us? And so today I was thinking, like, so often we try to avoid the test. We try to bypass the test. We try to skip the test. We think the test is punishment. Can I encourage you today? The test isn't punishment. It's a gift. It's meant to equip you to fulfill the dream that God has for you. Just this week, and I was thinking, uh, talking to Kyle, and he was telling me a story about his dad. And he was telling me his dad passed away several, several years ago. I, in fact, have ne never had the honor of meeting him. But he was telling me the story about his dad, that his dad always had a dream to be an engineer in the Navy. 
He wanted to be on the battleship in the middle of the ocean and be an engineer for the Navy. And in fact, he was. He went on to be an engineer in the Navy. But what's funny about that, it was always the family joke, Kyle said, is because his dad couldn't swim. I said, well, isn't the Navy what, you know, like out in the ocean? He's like, well, yeah. And I, so I was baffled by that. I said to Kyle, how in the world did your dad get in the Navy and not pass the swimming test? I mean, how do you even, how does that even happen? And Kyle just said, we don't know. Somehow he got around the test. And Kyle said, maybe he doggy paddled his way through it. I don't know. And I thought, I thought that was funny. Don't you know that's the test you want to be able to pass before you're on a battleship in the middle of the ocean that could sink at any moment. And the same is true about your and my dream. It's too big to doggy paddle our way through it. We want to pass the test that God's going to give us that's going to equip us to carry the dream and fulfill it. And so when God gives you a dream, he's going to give you a test. And that's what he did with Joseph. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to show you four tests that God gave Joseph, that we can watch a series of four tests happen in the life of Joseph. And the thing is, we, you and me, are also going to have to go through these tests to see the dream that God gives us fulfilled. Here's the first test we watch happen. Because what happens is, as we just read Joseph he has these dreams he's already not having good rapport with his brothers and he goes and he shares these dreams with his brothers and he says listen I'm going to be in authority you're going to bow down to me and it's all going to be good and everybody's going to love it and that's how he's sharing this dream with them well as you can imagine the brothers didn't like that and that's when the first test came to Joseph and it was this the first test we're going to take number one it's the pit test and this is a test of focus This is a test of focus. Look what happens. Genesis chapter 37, verses 17 through 20. It says, so Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But then when they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns or pits and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. And then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Well, can you really blame them? I mean, can we just get real today? Like here's Joseph in his coat, going around, telling on, my bro- telling on his brothers, and then he comes up with the dream. And the way he tells the dream is, I'm gonna be big and bad. I'm gonna be the man and you're gonna bow to me. And when, as he says this, immediately God allows him to get thrown in the pit. Here's what I want you to know. God will take you low so that he can bring you back high. And in this moment, Joseph's focus of what he thought the dream was about was wrong. And he needed to take a focus test because Joseph thought the dream was about him. And Joseph thought it was about the brothers bowing down to him. How often do you and I need a little test to expose what we think the dream is about that God gave us? And, and I, just, I just suggest that often we'll be wrong. We think the dream was about us. I think the dream was about me getting the promotion so that my name could be outside the office door. I think the dream was about me getting the bigger paycheck so that I could have the vacation house. I think that the dream was about me having kids so I could finally be called mom. I think that the dream was about you fill in the blank. And likely, like Joseph, we think it's about us. I want to encourage you, no dream that God ever gives you is just about you. It it goes way beyond, beyond you, and it goes way beyond me. And so here's Joseph, and he's taking the pit test, and it's a test of focus. It's just going to expose who we think the dream's about. It's also going to expose who's going to get the glory when the dream's fulfilled. 
Because if I think the dream is about me when it is fulfilled, I'm going to be the one that wants the glory for it. And God's just not going to let that happen. And so he throws Joseph in the pit. And here's what I love about it. We know that Joseph passes the pit test. The reason we know that, I'll give you a preview. And here's what I think happened. I think Joseph was thrown in the pit and I think he had to wrestle with God. And he would have known something about wrestling with God because his daddy had to do it. A few chapters earlier in Genesis 32, Jacob also had to wrestle with God. He had to wrestle some things out with God. And now Joseph is here and he's down in the pit and he had this dream. He was going to be ruling over the whole family and here he is in a pit. Anybody ever had that happen? I mean, God, you just gave me this dream. How did I get down here? I'm supposed to be up there. And so he's in the pit, he's wrestling it out with God. And I know that he passed the test. And the real, the reason I know he passed the test is because I'll get, I'll show it to you in a minute, but in Genesis 45, we're going to find out. It says about Joseph. Remember how he described the dream initially in chapter 37 was I'm going to be raised up. You're going to be made low and you're going to be bowing to me. That's how he described. It was all about him. When you get to chapter 45, we're going to watch as Joseph describes it way differently because he has passed the focus test. He no longer thinks he is the focus of the dream. And he says, actually, the reason God is using me is he sent me ahead of you to preserve your and your family's life and to preserve the life of a nation. God simply just used me to go on ahead to make a plan so that you and your family don't die. That's a little different than the initial dream. Because you and I, when we get a dream, we're going to get a test. And it's going to be a pit test. And the question of the day is going to be, who do you think the dream is about? Is it about you? Is it about my family? Is it about my wants? Is it about my title? Is it about my paycheck? Is it about my thing? Or is it about God and what he wants to do through you and how he wants to use you to make a difference in somebody else's life? We're going to have to pass this pit test just like Joseph did. And then we're going to watch because it's going to lead us to the the second test. And let me share because I was thinking back to I was thinking of my own life to give an example of the time I had to pass the pit. I remember the very first pit test I ever take. I got to give you bad news. You don't ever just take it once, by the way. It's not a one and done. You're going to be taking the pit test over and over and over as many times as it takes to get you to pass it, you know? And so here, here in my life, I remember the first time I remember the dream. I'll never forget the moment I felt God call me to be to preach the word. I just knew I loved God's word so much and that I was called to share it. And and I knew that, and I wanted to write books and I had this dream and and God stirred this in my heart and it was compelling me and it was, and it was here, but I immediately got thrown in the pit test. And the reason was because I thought I was the focus of the dream. Let me be really transparent with you. I'll tell you some secrets. If you promise not to tell anyone else, I'm going to humble myself today. The minute I got that dream, I thought to myself, Oh, that means I'm supposed to go on the road with women of faith. <laughs> now, you, only if you're as old as me do you know what women of faith even is, because it's not a thing now, I don't think. And so this is a big group of, of women communicators, and they wrote books, and they traveled the world. And so in my heart, I mean, I really thought, wow, that's cool, God. You're going to make, you're going to put me on that team, and I'm going to write books, and my name's going to be on books, and you're going to give me a microphone, and I'm going to preach to thousands of women all over the world, and it's going to be awesome. And I even emailed women of faith that I told them, hey, I just got the call from God, and so now I'll await your call, so when you call me to ask me to be on your team. True story. So then... I'm still waiting for that call, by the way. Still waiting for that call. 
But in the moment, the focus was on who? It was on me. I, I, I humbly say I was the focus of that dream. Wow, God, you want to use me because you want to you give me a microphone and you want to let me write a book and you want my name on it and all those things. And immediately God threw me in the pit that I will lovingly refer to as reverse hell, also known as South Dakota. Listen, there's a Greek phrase in the Bible that means when hell freezes over and the Greek phrase is South Dakota. Here I am and I've got the dream and I'm excited and I'm gonna do big things. It's South Dakota where there's more cows than humans. The only people I would be able to preach to aren't even human in South Dakota. And so I get sent to South Dakota in this place that, that literally there's only two malls. Like that's a real thing in some states. I did not know that. And there is, I mean, it's a fact. There are more animals than humans in South Dakota. And here I'm instantly thrown in the pit. And I was gonna have to wrestle the dream out with God. Well, I don't, I don't understand this. How's this gonna work? I, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought. And we got to wrestling. And then when God humbled me, and he exposed the, what was going on in me. And I realized I'm not the focus of the dream. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with just God's word being shared with whoever God wants it shared with. That's what the dream is, that people could hear the life-changing word of God. Not that it's a certain pattern, it's a certain way, it's a certain limit. None of those things mattered. I had to pass the focus test. Thankfully, after six years in that freezing cold place, I passed the focus test. And the Holy Spirit just gently reminded me this week as I was out praying and walking for this message. I was just reminded, I started thinking about it because, you know, I, I would have told you my intent was pure. It was, but still I was the focus of the dream. I still was off and my character needed refined and I needed it to be exposed in me. And so I needed the pit test more than I even knew. But then eventually once I passed it, I, I would say this, I started to think back and I started to jot down and I just jotted down. I've now had the opportunity when I wasn't the focus of the dream and I released it to the Lord and I let it happen however he wanted to, which in just the last few years, I was thinking I've been able to share the gospel in three continents, four nations, dozens of cities with thousands of people in prisons, in jails, in rehab centers, all across in schools. It's been everywhere. But guess what? It still has nothing to do with me. I just humbled myself before the Lord. I dropped myself. I let God take me low so that he could bring me high. And once I was no longer the focus of the dream, God could do what he wanted to do with me because it doesn't matter. And, I, and then God will get the glory for all of it. So I'm just proposing to you, are you in the pit? It's a test. It's not punishment. It's a test. I implore you, pass the dang test. Pass it. Let God show you, wrestle the thing out. Let him show you what the real focus of the dream that he's giving you is. And that happened with Joseph. Thank goodness he passed the test, but it led him to another test. Because what happens in the story of Joseph, he's in the pit. And the Bible tells us the brothers decide while he's in the pit, they think to themselves, well, why would we let him die when we could make money off of him? Let's sell him. And so basically we, the Bible tells us that a, an Egyptian caravan is coming by. And so they sell him. It's 
it's a, the, the human trafficking ring comes by. They sell him to the, this Egyptian caravan and they take him off. And a man who is a commander in Pharaoh's army basically purchases him. And now Joseph is going to become a slave in a royal house. And that's where we find him next. And at least to the second test that he had to take that we're going to have to take. And it's this number two, the Potiphar test. And this is a test of faithfulness. It's the test of faithfulness. So here's Joseph. He's a slave in his master's house. He's gone from the pit. He had the big dream, instantly went to the pit, and now he's at this man named Potiphar's house. And look what the Bible says, because it was a test of faithfulness. And we're going to watch as Joseph passes this test over and over and over again. Genesis chapter 39, verses 6 through 10, it says this. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. Pause. I just told you he started as a slave in the house. He was a servant. How in the world is he now over everything? I propose he kept passing the faithfulness test. He was faithful. He was faithful with the gold he was responsible for. He was faithful with the employees. He was was faithful with the job he was given. And the Bible says, so Joseph is in charge now. And he, being Potiphar, did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. In other words, the only thing that Potiphar Potiphar had to think about every day was, is today going to be Texas Roadhouse or Longhorn Steakhouse? And we all know the answer to that. It is... Texas Roadhouse, yes. But I love it. He did not concern himself with anything. Can your boss say that about you? Can your spouse, can the people around, can can they say they don't have to concern themselves with anything because you're passing the test of faithfulness? And then it goes on and it says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome, just like Pastor Kyle. And he reminds me every single day. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. You want us to say la right here, huh? Okay. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me, Jojo. I mean, that's how it sounds in my head. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But he refused, probably because she sounded like that. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except for you, crazy lady. Because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing? Here's the key. Listen, this is the key to passing the test of faithfulness. Here it is. You ready? You ready? You ready? How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He wasn't sinning against Potiphar. The test of faithfulness is not sinning against somebody else. It's sinning against God. I can pass the faithfulness test because I realize that I'm sinning against God in that moment. I'm being unfaithful to God in that moment. And he says, Joseph knows this. And he says, I I, I would be sinning against God. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And then as the story goes on, you know, there's going to be multiple attempts at this and he keeps passing the faithfulness test. I want you to write these things down. They're not in your notes, but God's going to test our faithfulness in three areas. 
He's going to test our faithfulness in first things, the Bible says. We talked all about that in our Blessed Life series. I encourage you to go back and read it. But God wants to know, are you going to be faithful with the first of your money, the first of your time, the first of your talents? Do I get the first or are you trying to give me the last? God wants to test our faithfulness in first things. He also wants to test our faithfulness in small things. Jesus said, he who is faithful in small things can be trusted with much. Some of us haven't seen the dream come to pass yet because we haven't passed the faithfulness test in the small things. We keep waiting for the big thing to happen and then we'll be faithful. No, God wants us to be faithful when it's still small, when nothing seems to be happening, when no one seems to be looking, when it seems like there is no, it's not hurting anybody else. No, can I be faithful in the small things? Can I be trusted in the small things? Can my boss trust me to not steal from the company? Well, it's just an ink pen. Well, I know. Pass the test. It's a test. Church, it's a test. It's a test. It's a test. If you don't know it's a test, you'll keep ignoring it, thinking it's no big deal. No, it's a test. Can you be trusted in test, passing this faithfulness test? I, I'll never forget uh, when we were praying to have this beautiful building that we get to sit in today. We were portable for umpteen million years, it felt like. And, and so we were portable for a very long time, which was a gift and it was awesome and the church was growing. But it was time for a building where we didn't have to sit up and tear down every week and we had more flexibility in being able to do more with ministry and, and, and reach more people. And so we were praying for this building. And, and so I never forget one day I was getting in my car, tell me I'm not the only one that's done this. And I had pushed the cart out to my car and I thought, I'm in a hurry. I'm going to leave the cart right here. And it was in this small parking lot. I won't tell you which store. And so I'm thinking, I'm just going to leave the cart right here. I'm going to hop in my car. It's no big deal. Everybody else is doing it. I see carts all over this parking lot. And I just, when the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of me and said, this is a test. Can you be faithful in the small things? How can you take care of your own building? How can you help oversee a building for the church if you can't even respect somebody else's property, if you can't even put your card up in the parking lot, if you don't start seeing these little things, those Holy Spirit conviction moments as tests will run right by them. But it's a test of our faithfulness. And you better believe from that day forward, I put every, I put my card up. I put your card up because you left yours. I was putting everybody's carts up and I was picking up trash in the bathroom. It wasn't even mine during COVID. <laughs> Not supposed to do that right? It, it was a test of faithfulness. It was a test of faithfulness. And Joseph went through it over and over and he kept getting promoted and he kept getting promoted and he kept getting empowered. Even in the midst of being a servant in another man's house, suddenly he's helping rule over this house because he was passing the test of faithfulness. The third thing I told you there were three. The third thing was to be faithful with other people's things. And that's what Joseph did in that moment. This is not mine to have. I'm going to be faithful in this moment. Maybe you, maybe you have a dream of owning your own home. I suggest you be faithful with the place you rent now. Because if I can't be faithful with somebody else's, why would God entrust it to me? So church, I'm God's going to test our faithfulness. He's going to test our faithfulness. But let me give you a little tip right now from the lesson we can learn from Joseph. And it's this, you can do everything right and things still seemingly go wrong. Don't be discouraged. 
You can be faithful and do everything right and things still seemingly go wrong. And that's what happens with Joseph. Here's Joseph. He's passed the pit test. He's passed the faithfulness test, the Potiphar test. He's been faithful in small things and first things and other people's things. And now we watch as the wife begins to lie about him, tells, tells Potiphar basically that Joseph did something he did not do. And now what happens next is he's going to take the next test. Here it is. Number three, the prison test. This is the test of being forgotten. And so here's Joseph. He's been faithful. He's passed the pit test. He's got his focus. He knows what the dream's about now. And now he finds himself locked up in a prison cell, taking the test of being forgotten because somebody lied about his faithfulness. And then what happens as he's in the prison as you'll read the story tonight before you go to bed, when he, when he was in the prison, he meets these two people and he actually, actually, he's passing faithfulness tests in the prison because it tells us that he gets, he gets up in the, in the ranks in the prison and now he's leading, helping lead the prison as a prisoner because Joseph is so faithful. He's passing every test, every test, every test. And so now he's helping lead and he meets these two men. One was the chief baker. One was the chief cupbearer to Pharaoh who was the king of Egypt. And so he makes friends with these two men and they're having a conversation in their circle up and they're asking each other, what are you in for? Well, I'm innocent. What about you? Yeah, me too. And so you know how it goes. They're all innocent. And so they're all in there and they're innocent. And, and now we watch because what happens is basically he, they make a pact that if one of them gets out, they'll remember the others and help them get out. Well, the baker ends up dying, but the cupbearer ends up getting out and going back to work for Pharaoh. But listen to what it says in this moment, Genesis chapter 40, verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph, he forgot him. The test of being forgotten. Because then what's gonna happen is Joseph is gonna spend the next two years in that prison for something he did not do, taking the test of being forgotten. What happens when you feel like God forgot? What happens when it feels like God's delaying? What do you do when you feel like everyone's overlooked you? What do you do when someone else gets the credit? What do you do when you get all the blame? What do you do when it feels like my, your spouse has forgotten? Your kids have forgotten you. Your parents have forgotten you. Your friends have forgotten you. God has forgotten you. Nobody sees you. Nobody knows what you're going through. Nobody knows where you are. There's this moment that we're taking a test of when we feel like we've been forgotten. And I just want to encourage you today. It's in those moments that you can grow the closest to the Lord. And that's what we watch Joseph do. Look at Genesis 39 verses 20 through 21. It says this about Joseph. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He felt forgotten and he was by others, but he was not forgotten by the Lord. The Lord was with him, the Bible said, and he showed him kindness and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. I wrote this down. I would rather be in a hard time with the Lord than an easy time without him. Every single day. I would rather be in a hard situation with God with me, knowing the Lord's with me, than an easy one that felt comfortable, that felt like everything was going right, and God wasn't with me. Let me tell you how much this matters. If you read in Exodus, Moses knew what this meant, because the Lord got annoyed later in Exodus with the Israelites and with Moses, the leader, and the Lord says, I'll send you to the promised land, but I am not going with you. You are a stubborn, stick-necked people. And he said, I'm not going. You guys go on ahead. Go to the 
promised land. Moses knew, I would rather stay right here in the wilderness with nothing and be with you, Lord, than go to the promised land without you. And he tells the Lord, if you don't go, I'm not going. If you're not going to be there, I am not going to that place. I'll stay right here in the wilderness. I'll stay where it's dry. I'll stay where it's hard. I'll stay where it's hot. I'll stay where I have nothing. I'll stay in this place as long as I know you're with me, Lord. I know you feel like you're taking a test of being forgotten and you are, but you're not forgotten by the Lord. The Lord is with you. The Lord is for you. He's not delayed. He's going to be right on time. He knows what he's doing. He's not left your side. Everyone else may have overlooked, but God does not overlook. His eyes are stuck on you. And so when we're taking that test of being forgotten, we have, we have to remember that the Lord is with us and it's better if he's with us than an easy situation without him. And, and then basically what happens is he's taking this prison test of being forgotten. He ends up two years later, they remember, the cupbearer remembers, tells Pharaoh has a dream, the king of Egypt, and he says, I need somebody to interpret this dream. And the cupbearer says, there was this guy in prison and he has a lot of dreams. I think he could do the job. And so they call for Joseph and this is the moment, and some will know this well, this is the moment where he takes off the orange jumpsuit, they shave his face, they clean up his hair, they get him in the suit and away he goes to the king of Egypt in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, here's the dream that I've had. Can you interpret it? And I love Joseph's response. It proves that he's passing all the tests we've talked about so far. Joseph's response was not, yeah, man, I can do that. His response was, I can't but God can. I can't, but God can. I love the faithfulness of Joseph because he keeps saying, he keeps pointing people back to God. He realizes the dream is not about him. The gifts are not about him. The glory is not about him. It is all about the Lord. And he points back, I can't, I can't interpret it, but God can. And so Pharaoh goes on and he begins to tell him the, this dream that he had. And the Bible says, basically Joseph interprets it. And he says, well, here's the deal, King. There's going to be 14 years coming. Seven years are going to be good. Good. There's going to be plenty in the land. There's going to be bounty and harvest. It's going to be amazing. But after that seven years, you need to know there's going to be seven years of famine coming and it's going to be bad and it's going to be dry and there's going to be nothing. And we're going to need to plan for that. And so the dream, what I'm telling you to do is you need to prepare now for the seven years of famine. You need to get you a man who's wise that can oversee the strategy of saving up in the seven years of plenty so that you have it in the seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh, because Joseph passed every test, every test, every test. Pharaoh says to Joseph, how about you? You seem wise. I choose you. And in a moment, this is what I need you to get because you think you've been delayed. You've been delayed. The dream has been delayed. The dream has been delayed, but in an instant, God can turn it around. I don't know what you're facing, but I'm telling you today, by the time you walk back out those doors, it can be different. And he stands in front of Pharaoh and the king of Egypt says, I choose you. And now the Bible tells us Joseph is now second in command only to Pharaoh. He rules the land of Egypt. He went from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison. He passed the test after test after test. And now he's ruling in the land of Egypt and he's going to take his fourth and final test. And so are we. Here it is. Number four, the palace test. This is the test of forgiveness. Here's what I want to ask you. When you get in that place where things are going good now, when you get in the place that you don't feel forgotten, you've been faithful, 
you've got your focus and the people that hurt you are now standing before you because the brothers are about to walk right into that palace unknowingly, not knowing it's Joseph. When the person that hurts you is standing before you, what will you do? Because it's a test. And the question is, now that you have an ability to get them back, are you going to? I mean, in this moment, Joseph could say, off with their heads and it be done. In this moment, he could lock them up. In this moment, he could kick them out. In this moment, he could let them know who he is and what they did to him and how happy, unhappy he is. In this moment, he could post it all over Facebook for the whole world to know. What will you do when the people that betrayed you and hurt you most are standing before you? Because I propose to you today, it is a test that you and I keep failing. And we have got to get this one. And we have to pass this one if the dream is going to be fulfilled. Watch what happens. Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 through 8. They say this. Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. He's going to be honest about what happened. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Here it is. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. In the next five years, there'll be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Egypt, the forgiveness test. He could have done a lot in that moment, but he looks at the brothers that hurt him and he says, it wasn't you that put me here. Don't be angry. I forgive you. I forgive you. It's good. I now know it was just a test. I now know it was required that I pass this test so that a whole nation could be saved. You have to understand, you need to know the pivotal moment in history this was. If Joseph decides to take out the brothers in this moment, we have no Messiah. I need you to know where Jesus comes from, the line of Judah, one of the brothers that stood before Joseph in this moment. The plan was bigger than Joseph. The dream was bigger than the moment. The dream was for you and for me that in this moment, in this day, we are standing here because a young man who did not do it right at first was able to look at some tests and go, I'm going to pass that. And I'm going to pass that test. And I'm going to pass that test. And I'm going to pass that test. I'm going to do it because this dream is not about me. It's about generations from now that need to be saved. I propose that we have to pass this test. It's the test of forgiveness. And then look, Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 21. It'll be your favorite verse of the whole story of Joseph, and you'll know it. it says this, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Now, remember what he said earlier? I can't interpret the dream. Only God can. He was turning the focus off him onto God. Once again, he's passing a test to say, I'm not in the place of God. In other words, he's saying the vengeance is not mine to have. It's not mine to, am I in the place of God? We keep trying to put ourselves in the place of God. And anytime we're not forgiving someone else, we're putting ourselves in the place of God. 
and that is not your place to hold. Trust me, you don't want it. Let me tell you, somebody said to me once when I was telling them, you're going to have to forgive that person at some point. And they said to me, they looked me square in the eye, and they said, you don't know what they did to me to hurt me. And I lovingly, humbly said to them, that's kind of the point of forgiveness. You don't forgive people that did you right. <laughs> you forgive people who did you wrong who hurts you, who betrayed you, who talked about you, who didn't lead you well, whatever. It's a test, it's a test, it's a test. And so he says, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it to be for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid, I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them and he passed the forgiveness test. And I declare you will too. When God gives you a dream, he will give you a test. And Joseph's the perfect example of that, but I need you to know Joseph's not the only example of that. In fact, in the Old Testament, there were many types and shadows of what Jesus was gonna be like and what Jesus was gonna go through. Joseph was one of them. He was a type and shadow of what Jesus was gonna accomplish. In fact, I want you to just think about it with me for a second. Jesus too came with the dream. The dream of, of salvation to redeem humanity back to the Father. That was the dream that he came to earth with. And then he was gonna go in the series of these four tests. Think about it just for a minute. J Jesus, when he came, he had to take the focus test. And that's when we heard him say, not my will be done, but your will, Father. I'm not here to accomplish my will. I'm here to do the will of the Father. I'm not here to rule and reign right now. I will come and I will do that. Not now. I'm here to accomplish the will of the Father. He passed the focus test. And then we watch as Jesus passed the faithfulness test. As he was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tested and tempted by the enemy. To take credit. To just, hey, just compromise a little bit. Just give in a little bit, Jesus. Go ahead and just take the glory right now so that I can get you you out of this and I'll give you all the ruling you want and he had to pass the faithfulness test in that moment in that wilderness when no one was looking when he could have done it anyway and nobody would see it and maybe he wouldn't get caught but he needed to pass the faithfulness test it was a test and then he had to go on and pass the forgotten test when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and and he's sitting there and he can't even get his disciples to stay awake to pray with him have you forgotten me do you know what I'm going through can you not pray for an hour with me and and then he had the forgotten test when those were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the same voices that shouted Hosanna would stand before the Jewish rulers and say, crucify him, crucify him. And he was going to have to pass the forgotten test. And finally, he had to pass the forgiveness test. And we all know what he said as he hung on a cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he passed the test. And because Jesus passed the test, so can you. Because when God gives you a dream, he will give you a test. And you can pass it. Would you close your eyes right now? And all around the room, I just want to take a quick second. I want to speak to those of you that have not yet given your life to Jesus. That's the first test you have to pass. Surrender your heart to Jesus. 
Without him, you can do nothing. Without him, there is no eternity for you. And so if that's you in this moment or maybe listening on the other side or listening or watching on the screen right now, if you've never given your heart, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or maybe you did at one point, but you've long walked away. If that's you today, I want to give you this opportunity. Just lift your hand towards heaven and you're going to pray a prayer in your heart with me right now. If you if you want to give your heart to Jesus today, come on, it's the best decision you'll make. I want you to pray this prayer today. Jesus, I choose you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. All that I am is yours. Now show me how to live. My life is yours in the mighty name of Jesus. And now for the rest of you around the room, I just want you, if you feel like you're in a test, lift your hand to heaven. If you know God's given you a dream, but it seems like you've been tested. If you know that you need to pass a test, if you know you've not taken a step you need to take, just lift your hand towards heaven. It has nothing to do with you or me. It's just a, it's a response to the Lord. And so Father, here my hand's lifted too. Here we are. We say, God, we want to see the dream you've given us fulfilled. In fact, I pray right now for those that are saying, you're somebody saying to themselves in the room, I don't even have a dream. God's not even showed me. I speak life to you now in the mighty name of Jesus. I speak an impartation of a vision and a picture of your future, and it is for your good, and it will accomplish much. And so receive it now in the name of Jesus. And for the rest of us, God, that are going through the test, I pray give us the strength, Holy Spirit, to pass those tests. May we pass those tests and bring you glory. May we pass those tests and see lives impacted for generations to come. We surrender this to you now, God. We choose to wrestle it out with you. We're going to wrestle with you, God, so that your blessing can be upon us. We give you the glory now, and it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' name, come on, shout amen if you receive that. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk not get weary they shall run and uh, that's what happens when you wait that's what happens when you wait they that wait on the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar they shall walk not get weary they shall run and I faint that's what happens when you wait that's what happens when you wait oh they that wait they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar they shall walk and not get weary they shall run and I faint that's what happens when you wait that's what happens when you wait oh they that wait they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar they shall walk not get weary
for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.